Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. I need everybody to stand up. Everybody stand up with me. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. That's what we're going to do. On this side over here, we're going to say up in here. Run it with me. Come on, one more time. This side over here is going to say in the house. We in the house. Say it. Come on. We in the house. We in the house. Up in here. Come with some funk to it. Give, give me some funk to it. You online, you probably got it better than what's going on right here, right now. I know y'all in the house with pajamas on jamming. Come on. Up in here. I said. What? Sit. We in the house. We in the house. Look, look, you grab a seat. You grab a seat. We are in the house. We are in the house. It's been a minute since we was in the house. Am I right? Now, we, as followers of Christ, are the body of Christ. We don't need a house. The body of Christ comes to the house, comes to the kitchen, comes to the apartment, comes to the bus stop. That's where the church is at. So it's not about that as much as it is presence with one another. Amen? Oh, there goes Mark. There goes my guy. I ain't seen to you. I ain't, that's what we say in the West Side. I ain't seen to you. And, 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 and that bond kind of reignites us to continue to fire up our walk in our love for the Lord. Amen? So thanks for indulging me. Like, what, we in there. What is he saying with the man? House, I'm going to stand up here. And do it. So, <laughs> amen. Amen. We're going to look at a passage in Mark. Have you enjoyed this series in Mark? Man, the Bible is so daggum rich, man. You can read the same thing all your life and be like, I never saw that right there. I have a habit in my life to read a proverb a day. It's 31 proverbs for 31 days, right? And so there's stuff in there. I'm like, I know this wasn't in here. What version is this? I mean, it's like brand new stuff oftentimes. But it all depends on where you're going on in your life. But in Mark today, as we look at Mark chapter 10, and we're going to look at verse 13 to 31, it is in two separate sections. And, and, and they're juxtaposed against one another. They, they, they pit against one another. And it's almost as if Christ set it up this way. So I could tell you the good news over here about in section one, but then I'm going to confront that with this bad news. Almost like, did you plan this? How the scenario goes. So if you have your Bibles there, look at Mark uh, chapter 10, verse 13. If you're online, uh, if you're here on your phone or wherever it might be, as we kind of walk through this passage and look at this good news and bad news possibly for another person, how one perceives it. Before we do that, as we look at verse 13 in a second, my mom, who passed away in 2019, had a great question in her Bible when I was looking through her stuff in Psalms 118. If you ever read, I almost get touched with it now. If you ever read Psalm 118, remember this question as you look through these verses. Her question was, and I felt it was even to me, she said, if you knew, that you were completely loved, how would you live? And that came from a little short German woman. You know what I'm saying? How would you look at relationships? What would your relationships look like? If you knew that you were completely loved, how would you go to work tomorrow? How would you look at courage and courageous things in your life? How would your relationship or what would your relationship with Christ really look like if you knew and believed that you were completely loved? Children are that way. Amen? 
I'm with my granddaughter yesterday. They call me Bolay, which is the baddest grandpa name ever in the universe. B-O-L-A-Y. Don't get it twisted. Google it. It means something spiritual. It's crazy. But Bolay, will you throw me in the air? Yes, I will. I'm throwing it in the, and I see her eyes rise up, but she knows I'm going to catch it. Do it again like a hundred times. Like it's a full workout. But somewhere along the line, her vulnerability, her full trust, her full uh, recognizing the fact I can't throw myself, but you could throw myself. That dependence, all of that was interwoven in that complete Love. And you know what she experienced? And all my kids and all of your kids and all your nieces and nephews experience when they're with you in that way is freedom. They experience that freedom. They experience that I am covered. I can do this. I can just. Now, sometimes they take it too far. We got that. They take it too far. But the reality is, is, is that that complete love is what Christ wants us to experience in him so that we can be free. And I believe, as we look at this text in John, in John, chapter, in John, in Mark chapter 10, verse 13, is why Christ was so mad. Look at what he says. It says, the people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. I believe Jesus was upset. The scripture implies in the actual language that Christ was angry. He was furious. Here are these children who are vulnerable, who are dependent, who are seeking to be loved completely, and you stopping them from coming to see me? What? The, now, the people I don't want to see, you let them come through all willy-nilly all the time. People I want to see, you stopping them. What the heck? I mean, you imagine how, are you, are you serious right now? This, look, at, look at little shorties. Let, let them come to me. They they recognized, they knew, the kids, that, that Jesus is around here somewhere. And, and, and let's, let's go see him. They wanted his presence, his presence, not just his proximity to be around, kind of, sort of, there he is over that way, but his full presence. They wanted to be all up in his presence, all there, all in that, you know. And, and, and God desires that from us, that we are in his presence. Present. You ever seen a couple at a restaurant or friends, they all are at the table with their phones out, nobody talking. Like, why did y'all leave the house? Why, why did y'all just text each other? Why did y'all leave the house? Just FaceTime. All right. I mean, they're talking through text. Do you want that on the menu? I don't, I mean, that's what I believe sometimes in my head. That's the stories I tell myself. Then they're just texting each other on the menu. That is proximity, but not presence. The children wanted presence. They didn't know what the heck's going to happen, but they knew they trusted that presence. Because in that presence, somewhere in there is love. And somewhere in the midst of that, I can rest. And somewhere in there, I can be vulnerable and I can be open. And I am loved and received and I'm ready to jump. Throw me in the air. <laughs> my daughters and my sons were in our house. My wife and I on the couch, chilling. Finally, we got a moment. We watch a movie. This is when they were younger. They're in the house, and every once in a while, who am I walk by? What y'all doing? We watching a movie. What you get on upstairs, right? And then come, another one come by. We said, what y'all watching? And they would just keep coming. They would like, hey, what are they doing? About an hour into it, all of them on the couch with us. All of them on the. I'm like, y'all don't even like this movie. Why are y'all here with us watching this movie? Will y'all please go to your room? I mean, that's. They knew. They knew. Something good about this. Presence is good. I want to, I want to, this is funny. What is, and all of a sudden, they wanted to experience that. They didn't want to just, have, they, they had proximity. They were upstairs. They heard, the, they heard the TV on, but they didn't have a presence. What about your life? Do you just have proximity? Or are you truly experiencing 
presence with God. This past year was one of those kind of years to challenge that. Maybe somebody who you were uh, stay home and shelter with, you were like, I'm good with you. In the morning time, we had a coffee and go for breakfast. We go on each other. But at 5 o'clock, now we got to be here eight hours a day. I don't know what to do. It's too much presence. It's too much presence with you up in there. I didn't expect that. Where, I need to call Lori Lightfoot. Help me with this thing. <laughs> Maybe you experience some challenges with folks you love with presence, right, in the midst of that. But as we evaluate and look at our own life with Christ, are we just experiencing proximity, a true presence with Christ? Now, the disciples, to give them some credit, right, they probably were like, look, we got to protect Jesus because these kids is ratchet. These kids are ratchet. This one kid, he came to Jesus the other day, he's talking about, he got, what, what that on your toes? What's on your toes? Uh-uh, we can have our Lord be dissed by these little shorts. Look at this one girl. She got snot coming out of her nose. No, she can't. They were probably trying to protect, right, because kids are unapologetically uninhibited. Unapologetically uninhibited. It's kind of like this one uh, child, Nancy. She says, I bet, you know, God, I bet it's hard for you to... Love the whole world. I got four people in my family, and I never can. Right? <laughs> I can never under love. I mean, she's just raw with her feelings, right? Or the other, other, other boy, uh, Piper. Piper says, God, you walk with me and protect me. I am protected. He recognized presence with God. Or like one of my children who we were at a friend's house, and the person there, they're a good friend of ours. They typically watch our kids at different times. They're hanging out. Heavy set guy, he turns around. At that time, my daughter was butt height. He was butt height. He was butt height. He was butt height. And so there's his butt right there. And she said, You have a big bottom. You have a big bottom. He turned around and said, I'm working on that. I'm working on that, right? <laughs> she felt in this house where he loves me, where my parents love me, I can be uninhibited with what I'm saying, knowing that I am completely loved. The mystery of that though, is that our presence with Christ is daily. Our, 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 the mystery of that is that bathing our lives in the presence of Christ daily. Look what happens. Christ says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never see it. Now, when I read that, I'm like, hold up, Jesus, hold up. Hold up. They, these kids just got here. They're seven. They don't even have their grown folks' teeth in yet. They're still trying to figure out how to chew. How, the, what do you mean the kingdom of God is theirs? They've been here five minutes, man. I'm 57. What are you talking about? To me, what Christ is saying, if you come to me like a child, you're coming to me open and transparent, right, as children are and can be. He's saying don't hinder them because the kingdom of heaven is, is theirs. So it's almost like you want to see a kid on the street, a mom has a baby, like, hold on one second. You, what's God doing today? And you almost want to ask a kid because of this mystery that it seems like it's so connected between what Christ is talking about. The reality of what God is saying is that these children have nothing between me and them. There's nothing that they're not willing to sacrifice to be a part and present with me. There is nothing there that they're not wide open with, right? It says God's kingdom is God's spiritual rule over his people that on earth it would look like heaven. That's what kingdom 
of God. I mean, he says it twice. He's emphasizing twice. God, the kingdom of God is with these shorties. Unless you come to the kingdom of God like the shorties, you won't enter it. Well, how is that? Because is my life and every facet of my life glorifying God? Is every facet of my life making sure I'm giving God uh, praise? Am I thinking through my business decisions in a way that glorifies God? Am I thinking through these relationships as a way as if they glorify God? In other words, am I willing to give up my stuff so that his kingdom can reign right here? Now, I'm going to help you a little bit. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you because that was a participatory moment right there. It was a participatory moment right there. So when I, when I, when I raise my hand like this, you know, it's an amen. So let's, let's, let's practice that. Amen. All right, all right. Just, just make it sure. I'm going to repeat that a little bit again, right, right? What God is saying, why these children are so close to the kingdom of God is that way because there's nothing in competition with me. Amen. And therefore, their presence is pure and connected. It is not as if they are come in Christ, you know, I'm in the third grade, and so therefore I, no, it is, here I am, I'm jumping, catch me. The reality of that is why Christ, I believe, says, look, when you see how the children are, and they're uninhibited, they're, and, then, and, and they were in a dependent, dependent type state, as well as underprivileged, there was all these low things, that, so they have to be trustworthy, because this, you are all that I got. There's a theological phrase that says poverty of spirit, which says you look to your left, nothing's there to help you, right? Front, back, all you can do is look up. Poverty of spirit, God, I need you. My mama used to say, boy, you can't fall off the floor. <laughs> you so broke, you can't fall off the floor. Only thing you got to do is go up. God is saying when we're in that lowly position in that context, right, that's where I reign the most. Because right, right now, will, will your life make down here look like up there because you're resting in the kingdom of God. This is what the disciples didn't know, and this is why they're trying to keep the kids away. But Christ says, no, you don't understand. They are the example of how you ought to live. They are the example of what I expect our lives to be like. Total dependence on me, total presence with me, not just proximity. Not just proximity, not knowing about but knowing for real. Because there's a difference between presence, right, and proximity. Presence is intimacy. Presence is connection. Presence is a complete love. Presence is unconditional love. Proximity is I smell the barbecue, but I can't taste nothing. You feel, you, you, you feel has landed, right? Is it landed? Y'all hungry too. The reality is, is, that, is that I can smell it, I got proximity to the person grilling, but I can't taste it, right? Proximity is the reality that I know about God, but I don't truly know God. Proximity is I think I understand this, but it leaves me wanting. I think I got it. I I, want to go deeper, but something is holding me back that I can't sacrifice. It leaves me wanting. And what's crazy about proximity is that I'm cool with not eating anything, even though I smell this great barbecue and I'm starving. The weird part about proximity is that it doesn't go any further than what you won't sacrifice. That was bars, right? That was bars all day. (laughs) The reality of you and I mimicking children as Christ is saying, it's about us resting in that presence so that we can fully live. The so scriptures say in 2 Corinthians 2.17 that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Do you want that freedom? 
Are you serious? What the heck is more important, so significant in your life that is in competition with Christ? Because what happens when that car, that person, that relationship, even that bitterness you may have with God, bitterness you may have with somebody that sometimes you use that as a badge. Well, I don't talk to them anymore because they, yes. And you wear that as if it's a badge of honor. When you sacrifice that and give that over to God, you're saying, God, you are enough. You are enough when you keep it close and don't sacrifice and you're saying, God, you're not enough. You see how that doesn't even sound well. Is God enough for you? The kids ain't got nothing but God because they can't fall off the floor. They're right there. How can you and we live that way? Bathing our heart and life in the presence of God. Ah! The presence of God. I love my date night on Friday night with Kim. Everybody in the world, whoever knows me forever, Friday night, date night. Phil, can you speak to the president? Nah, I'm, I'm going on a date with Kim. If she says it's cool, we, we go. I'm, it's date night, man. Are you serious? Because I love the presence of our time together. And I'm willing to sacrifice whatever to be with her and her with me. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> she won date night with me too. <laughs> <laughs> A mom was in a car with her son, and they were listening to a Christian station. A woman was preaching a child's sermon, and uh, the kid was listening, five or six years old. And the, the, the woman said, you know, you can come to Jesus. He loves you. Um, you know, open your heart up to receive him. And other uh, statements that just pricked the boy's little heart, you know. And he said, Mom, I want to I do that. What do you want to do? I want to I know this. I, wanna, I want the love of Jesus. She's like, oh, man. She pulls over in the parking lot. And, and the best way she could, she said, okay, just pray with me. Just pray with me. Jesus, and he would just repeat, Jesus. I love you. I, I thank you for loving me. Loving me. Um, um, come into my heart and, and change my life. It was quiet. Maybe he didn't hear. Maybe the noise. We're in traffic a little bit. So she repeats again the same thing, and then she says, "You know, come into my heart and change my life." Nothing. So this time she opens her eyes and says, "You know, uh, Ricky, you you want to Jesus come to your heart? I mean, you said you wanted to do that, but she said, <laughs> Ricky says, I want Jesus to come into my heart, but I don't want to change. I don't want to change. What that is." Oftentimes, that's how we may feel. I want to be around this thing with God. It feels good and the music's good. But do I really want all that God would have me to do and live for him when I sacrifice all of this? See, that was the challenge in our part two of this text. Part two of this text is a man who is getting news from Christ. He perceives it as bad news. So we got two ends. Good news. Come like a little child because they're vulnerable, they're dependent, because they're dependent on me and live in my presence. And there you will find and live in the kingdom of God because you will walk and live in such a way where down here with your mom and daddy, down here in school, down here at work, down here with your relationship will look like up there in heaven because you'll be that vulnerable and dependent on me. That's good news. We have this other bad news where this man is in a peculiar position of what is in competition between him and Christ. Look at what it says in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, we're going to stop right there. The man ran up. Now, he's rich. He's wealthy. He's considered to be an aristocrat. And he's got uh, all kind of influence, all kind of power. 
And so he comes and he does what he perhaps believes is the proper thing to communicate with Jesus. Yo, he's a good teacher. I probably have to do I come, I get on my knees. Good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? But he's got the language twisted. How are you going to inherit eternal life like your mama passed it on to you? Hey, I'm leaving in my will eternal life. Just make sure. What, what does that mean? And how are you going to do this, right? The man in his own mindset had always powered through, pressed through, made enough money, made it happen. He was what I call the overprivileged. Right? Overprivileged people storm the Capitol. Overprivileged people talk sideways about black folk, Latino folk, LGBTQ community. Overprivileged people, it's their world or no world. Overprivileged people just think that way and they bulldoze around and they judge everybody else around them with that same perspective. So the reality of this man being overprivileged was like, hey, Jesus, show me how to inherit this. You, the teacher, you make it happen, right? Jesus is so smooth. As we said, he's so cold. That's old school. So cold with his teaching right here. Watch what he says. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And God says this because he knows the man doesn't think he's God. He knows a man doesn't want his presence. He just wants his proximity. Because if you call me good, you're calling me God, which means you already know the reality of what it means to have eternal life. But you just want to be about it. You about it. You about it, but you're not in it. You're not with me. So I'm going to throw this at you because I'm, 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 I'm going to test you in some I'm going to teach you in some ways where you're going to actually look at yourself. Well, Christ goes on and he says, well, you know, never mind. Never mind about that. In verse 19, you know the commandments, right? And he gives them. The sixth commandment, the second half of the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments, he gives them the last six of the Ten Commandments because he knew he threw the man a lob to see if he was going to put his whole foot, arm, leg, and kneecap in his mouth. And so the man, he, he, he gives them these, these six commandments. You should not murder. You should not commit adultery. You should not steal. You should not bear false wisdom against your neighbor. You should not covet. Right? He says these first six because he knew the man had done Good. The man had good works. The man was uh, committed to that. And he knew that that would be something that uh, I, can, I can put my hands to the plow and, and do this. And, and that would give me this eternal life. But you see, what's weird is that these six can't really be functional until you do the first four. Four. That's west side for four. So, so, so I, my, my, I want my wife to love God more than she loves me. Because I'm going to be stupid at least four times a year. Four times a year, I'm going to be super stupid. But if she loves God more than she loves me, guess what? She's going to check me, walk with me, still give me that unconditional, complete love. But, but if she's not tight with God, guess what? Then I become God or we become God and she becomes God. But no, if she's right, committed to loving God more than she loves me, and these first four are about loving God. You should have no other gods before me. It's just me and me alone. My presence, that's all. You shall make no other idols, no other money, no other school, no other education, no, no titles, no nothing will be an idol before me because it's just you and me, right? You shall not take the name of your Lord in vain. In other words, you're not going to have, uh, use your own name if you're going to curse. Don't use mine, right? It's not about uh, uh, prior to, and then remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, right? It's the reality of these four that give me the courage and the strength and, matter of fact, the joy to love my neighbor as myself. To not covet, to not steal, to not lie, to not murder. The joy of loving God first giving me the courage to step into this. So he knew that man wasn't there. He throws him this 
Man, you know how the Ten Commandments, I mean, you know, don't murder, you know, honor your mother and father. Look what the man said. The man says, teacher. Now he doesn't use good now because he recognized before I got, he ain't really God. I'm not going to say he's God, so I'm just going to call him teacher. So now he's at least recognizing some things. All these things I kept since I was a shorty. Oh, I'm almost there. I'm almost going to, oh, man, if that's all it took, oh, my gosh, I'm almost there. Christ got him right there. He got him. Christ, the text says in verse 21, looked at him and loved him. Now, I don't know about you. That would be hard for Phil Jackson to do. You overprivileged. Some, some, some come up in there. I'm a what? <laughs> you what? Woo, I'm going to text you. Okay, I'm going to text you because I can't look at you. I can't even look at you right now, right? Christ, and this is what I'm telling you. I'm telling you this because when I talk about that question that my mom said, right, that, that if you knew that you were completely loved, Christ is even loving this man completely, even with his overprivileged behind. <laughs> my goodness, the courage it would take us as to do that, it blows me away. And it's the reality that Christ looks at him and says, man, I love this dude. Man, I love this guy. Wow. That's <laughs> loved completely. But he couldn't take love completely because you mean you got to be vulnerable. I mean, I have to be dependent. I have to, like, do more things where I am relying on the presence of God, right? The man couldn't take that part of it, right? <laughs> he goes on, he says... Hey, man, my bad, my bad. Um, one thing you lack, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. You know, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. And then come holler back at me. I'll be over there on 55th Street. Just holler back at me over there. At this, the man's face fell. He went away because he had great wealth. That doesn't mean people with great wealth have to sell everything. What it does mean, wealth or known wealth, what the heck is in competition between the, you and the presence of God? Whatever it might be, you could be, you could be bragging about how poor you are. I'm so daggone poor. Is that getting in the way of you being rich in Christ? I mean, the reality of, of Christ saying this is for the man to check. It's not for the man to actually really go away. Christ is really wanting because he loves this man. He wants to love him completely. So that stuff don't matter. But the man won't let him because he just bought a BMW or maybe a, a Jeep or Range Rover. I don't know what he just bought. But he can't sell it right now. Like, man, I don't know. I just bought that crib in Wisconsin. I mean, whatever he's thinking about that is holding him back in competition with Christ and loving Christ, he believed that this stuff was far more valuable than the love of God. That's what happens when you live your life with just proximity of God knowing about God, knowing of God, knowing where your Bible is, is in the house. <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't where you want. You just know it's under the shelf by the phone books. I mean, it's not something, phone books. Y'all remember phone books? Maybe you don't remember phone books. <laughs> they still do phone books. The reality of presence with God means so much to our heart and it nourishes our soul and spirit that we don't even know the freedom that we truly can live in until we experience the presence of God. Until we rest in the Spirit of God. Until we know that resting in the Spirit of God and the presence of God, guess what? I have the courage to love on those who may look like this, act like this, think like this. And I can walk with them as Christ did and love them even in spite of themselves. Jesus looked around in verse 23 and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to inherit the kingdom of God? 
disciples was bugging out because they like, yo, we done gave them everything. That's everything. But everything, everything I done gave up, right? What is it that I haven't given up? He said it's, it's like a needle that you have trying to go, a camel trying to stuff it into the eye of a needle. The reality with that is that um, I think God was really exaggerating. Preachers exaggerate. I think he was exaggerating. There is, you know, a history that there is a, 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 a town to go into, and it's called the Needle's Eye that you can go into. It's a smaller entrance, and there's a bigger entrance on the back. I don't think he was referring to that at all. I think he wanted to show the huge gap it is when you or I have something more important than the presence of God, and we don't come as vulnerable, and we don't come as open. That's the bad news that this man heard. He couldn't hear the good news that Christ had just said a few minutes ago with the children. Come like a shorty. Come vulnerable. Come dependent. Look at the present. Look at they jumping around playing. Watch it, let's play pity pat. Let's play pity pat. You can't come that vulnerable if you got stuff in front of you. I can't play pity pat right now. That's, uh, I like the game, um, but maybe we'll, <laughs> is anybody looking? I mean, whatever it is that's holding you back, I'm begging you to realize, yo, I want the full presence of God. Because you don't even know what's in store. You don't know how much joy is in store. The, the, the scriptures go on, right? And the disciples said, we gave up everything. How can we even enter the kingdom of heaven? Christ says, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You mean this stuff I thought was so valuable, surrendering it to you, not letting it get in between you and I, and bathing my life and heart into your presence, I won't miss a beat? No. You will experience the full kingdom of God because you will have a heart that says, I want the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. I'm Open to the direction you're leading me, Lord, in business and in work and in family. I'm ready. God is like, nah, I got you. Now I got you. He says, and this is what really bugged me out about the man. He didn't realize the bigger payoff that Christ was offering than he thought he had. I tell you the truth. No one who has left home and mothers and brothers and sisters and fathers, children of fields for me in the gospel. In verse 30 will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. You know what that means? That means every dollar Christ giving you a hundred. That's 100. Um, he's giving you a hundred dollars for every dollar. Are you, he's giving you a hundred percent more joy when you're discouraged. He's giving you a hundred percent more strength when you feel weak. He's giving you a hundred percent more power when you feel you can't go on anymore. He's giving you a hundred percent more love when you think you can't love anymore. Are you willing to jeopardize all of that? Because you got some stupid title. You got some stupid position you're trying to get that you usurped that over having presence with God. Man, I can't tell you how much I'm, I want to tell you this. I had to learn this the hard way. I was not present with my family for years. I was with kids on the block. I was doing this on the block. I was doing this. And I was grabbing young people with doing this ministry. My own kids like, where you at? I'm talking for years. Finally, it hit me with this reality. It's the presence of God. I need to be in the presence of God and let the rest be what it's going to be. And then that blessed the rest of my family to be present with them. Don't wait for years and miss out on what hundredfold blessing God is saying, I'm here for you. Because this thing, this thing is more important than God. Or basically having this thing is saying, God, um, you're not enough. And so you're not enough, I'm going to have to add this to it. No, God is enough. Will you experience that? 
this marathon runner in the Greek Olympic, when the Olympics were kind of first starting, had won all kind of marathons, all kind of marathons. And now everybody was trying to pay him not to run this other marathon. Trying to pay him, give him houses, bribe him, don't do it, get out of the marathon, stop, get out. Man went on and raced. Won the marathon. Now, you win, but you don't get homes and everything that they were giving him. And he's like, why did you not take this money in these houses? Why did you run? He said, I run and I ran so I could stand by my king. Not for the houses, not for the money. I ran so I could stand by my king. You and I run a race for the kingdom of God as we pursue living for him. And living it in such a way where we're present with him, where we can be vulnerable, where we can experience his complete love so that we can live free, free from anything pulling us left and right so that we can stand by our king every day, every day. My homework assignment for you is what's standing in the way? What is it that you've lived with so comfortably you don't even recognize that it's bugging the presence, interrupting the presence between you and God? It's been so natural, so normal, how you talk, how you think about this other person, how you function. It's just been a way of life. Everybody knows you do. That's how she is. That's how he is. You know how he is. No, if that how he is, it's not complimentary with the presence of God. You need to remove that. Your homework assignment is examining your heart this week. And what is it that you're willing or not willing to sacrifice? And why? Because on the other end of that is this full, complete love where you can jump and be thrown in the air and caught and, and be held while God is swimming with you in the deep waters because he desires your presence. Man, God, you are crazy in love with us. Matter of fact, God, your love is wasteful. <laughs> it is poured out while the bucket is full. It's still coming. God, this day, this day, let us truly make and hear your word. Hear your spirit calling us out to receive that love, receive that wasteful love in such a way that we can experience your presence. Even when we don't feel it, don't want it, don't desire it, don't even want to be around it because of the world and the hurt and the challenges that we face, your presence still to us never leaves us. But our presence to you oftentimes scoops away. Guide us this week, God. We will examine our hearts. You would examine our hearts. What's got in competition so that we can sacrifice that to experience this complete love and not just live in the proximity of God, but real presence. In Jesus' name, amen.